This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcast. We are back. We have Brian Zizuk from DJ Booth here with us tonight. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming up. I know that this was something that uh, we were trying to schedule for a while, and, and you know, scheduling is it's tricky. It's, it's especially tricky when you work 60 hours a week, you're married, you have a child who at the moment is, is throwing up all over my wife and, and is sick. So, so yeah, you mean that your life hard. isn't just like hanging out with Lil Wayne and Drake and like that's not the life of a professional hip hop writer? No, no, it's not. Um, I feel so lied to. Yeah. Well, no, surprise. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, it, it's not. No, no, don't get me wrong. I, I have had my fair share of... I don't know what you want to call it, you know, uh, celebrity encounters, meetings. You know, I, I have been fortunate enough over 15 years uh, to interview a number of, of uh, artists that I highly respect and, and travel with some artists and, and see artists live and, and be in their space, whether that be the green room or the recording studio. But most of my time is spent in front of a computer or on a cell phone writing, researching on the phone. I think that's the secret even for artists a lot of times. Like a friend of mine is a DJ who has – you know, I, I guess kind of made it. You know, he's hit that level where he's playing Lala and Coachella and things like that. Right. And it's like his social media looks like every artist influencer. You know what I mean? Like the the artist's social media, it looks very glamorous. And that is a part of their reality. But when I spend time with him, we're like, I don't know. I think that's the correct USB cable. You know what I mean? Like it's just the most tedious. Yes behind the scenes shit and I think that that's a lot of the stuff that Instagram does not show us of course not yeah. I mean you know people want to project uh, outwardly what they think people want to see of their mm-hmm. life and their profession when most of the time it is very very mundane yeah it's it's all the tedious stuff for those fleeting moments you're like oh my god I got to meet Drake for two minutes you know or something like that right and then of course what you're going to do is project on your social media as if you hung out with Drake for you know two days you guys didn't know that Drake is my godfather right yeah exactly (laughs) um well awesome and so you do some really cool stuff we're going to talk all about DJ booth we're going to talk about all the work that you do um bringing that to life but we always kind of start at the beginning on this podcast like how did your life as kind of a creative uh, begin? Like, how did that journey begin for you? I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. So uh, I went to Illinois State University uh, from 2002 to 2006. Uh, About 2005, before the end of the year, um, I was trying to figure out a way to take the interviews that I was doing at my college radio station, Mm -hmm. WZND, and put them on the internet, right? So we would tape them during the week, and then we would air them on our Saturday night program called the Saturday Night Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I thought, all right, well, we put in all of that work, and now no one's going to get to hear it. And obviously, this is this predates the um, rise of SoundCloud or Audio Mac or any podcasts, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, this is all before all of that. And so um, I went to the library, I checked out a bunch of books, and I tried to teach myself how to build a website. but Back I, when you had to like go to a library to do that. Right, and I yeah. failed miserably because my brain isn't wired like that. Well, and it was also, <laughs> to be fair, it was much more... When, what year was this? 2005. 
2005. 2005. Much more difficult to do anything. That's when we started this oh. podcast. Oh, yeah. It was very difficult to do anything like that in 2005 because there there were no tutorials. There was no YouTube. There was barely Google, if Google existed at all. So now, if you said, oh, I don't know how to make a website, someone goes, well, tell me there's Squarespace. It'll take five minutes. But like, none of that yeah. stuff existed back then. No, I it mean, was very difficult. YouTube at the time was cat videos, right? So, I mean, yeah. that, it was in, in its infancy stage. So, um, needless to say, I, I attempted to build a website and upload my uh, the audio from my interviews. I failed miserably. At the time I was DJing, I was submitting uh, the playlists from every show uh, to different services. And the reason was because it was good to see what other DJs were playing across the country on their shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the sites I came across was djbooth.net. It was a niche site. So DJ-only oriented, uh, turntable, headphone, mixer reviews, DJ playlists, um, certainly not what you see today. Right. Um, so I found the contact information on the site. I reached out and I said, hey, my name is Brian Zisuk. Uh, I'm a junior at Illinois State University. I do interviews every week. I'm looking for a website to post them. I want no money from you. Can Always I the easiest way to make something happen. Yeah. When you start with like, I don't need any money. I just want to do Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because, you know, if, if I'm getting the email, I think, all right, well, you know, what I want. I, I only wanted him to basically email me back and say, yeah, you can use my platform for your content. And within like five, 10 minutes of emailing him, I got an email back and he said, give me a call. So That's awesome. I thought, oh, great. So I gave him a call. I pitched him the idea that I had. Um, he loved it. He reformatted the entire platform to basically be my playground. And you know, now the Cliff Notes part. Uh, within a year's time, I graduated from school. I was still working DJ booth on the side. I worked in radio for about eight months as a morning show producer. Was that in Chicago? That or was still... in Chicago at 9FM, uh, which is no longer in business. Was that like... The TriCast station. Yeah. Like they played, uh, for lack of everything. a better term... Okay, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. Failed, the, the station failed miserably. I, at the time, loved radio, but over eight months, I was pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. Morning show radio is 4 a.m. to noon every day. It, it's a, it's a, it takes a toll. I mean, I lost my hair. <laughs> I gained weight. I lost weight. Um, I lost friends. My parents couldn't stand me. I couldn't maintain a relationship. Um, it was, so what was the downside? Uh, <laughs> it was rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, needless to say, uh, instead of jumping back into a new radio gig, I called up Dave, who is now my business partner, and I said, hey, what do you think about me doing DJ Booth full time? Like, let's actually give this a go. He goes, well, I'm not leaving my full-time job for this. (laughs) Sure. He goes, but if you want to dedicate all your time to this, um, whatever money that we make after we pay our bills every month, I'll give it to you. Fair. I said, I wasn't looking to make any money off of this anyways, but, you know, who knows where (laughs) where this will go. Sure. Um, And, yep, I've never been employed by anyone ever since. I've been self-employed since that day. Um, we became an LLC officially a year after that. Mm-hmm. Dave quit his full-time job. Um, he was working uh, in, uh, in ad sales and marketing. And um, in the last decade plus, we have um, hired editors and writers and photographers. Uh, we expanded. We have a studio office in New York in Soho. Uh, we started a second platform, which is AudioMac. That's mm-hmm. uh, our sister site. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm blessed that what started off as something for fun from a hobby that I was doing in college became a business, 
without ever having any expectation of having to go to a bank, take out a loan, uh, pay back a loan. No Sell investors, yeah. No decisions that we've made over the last 15 years have ever been made with having to pay money back or please people in mind. So all of our creative control and our creative freedom has always been maintained as a result, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, you're preaching on the choir, man. I did radio, and I loved radio. It sounds like I had a better experience than you did, which... I'm happy for I, you. I, I, well, I feel fortunate <laughs> because radio is not... You know, we were talking before the mics were on that, like, the, the guy that I sat down with originally was like, dude, this business is brutal. Right. And he wasn't lying. He wasn't lying, and I saw a lot of great people get fired for no reason. I saw stations go off the air for no reason, and yeah. it was just you know it, people who weren't cared about, who didn't care about like quality or music or content, just making financial decisions. So I saw firsthand that radio could be like that. But I was fortunate that I had a good experience in radio. But even having a great experience, I still didn't have like we had a lot more creative control. I worked on a show called Local One Hundred and One. Chris Payne is the DJ that I worked with at Q One Hundred and One on Local One Hundred and One. We were the local music show on Sunday night. You know, we pre-taped those interviews, same same thing you're talking about. And we got to choose the music we played. We got to play Chicago music because none of the programming staff who were from Tampa or wherever knew anything. So yeah. we had creative control on that. But even within that show, which we had a ton of control with, and I loved working for, I wasn't the host and I didn't get to do long-form interviews like I wanted to do. It just wasn't the platform for it. Right. And that's, to me, where podcasting came in. So I totally understand that that desire for, like, I want to do something that, I don't have to answer to anybody and I don't have to like, you know, check with sales to see it's if this great. concept works. Yeah. It is. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The price for that freedom is it's a ton of fucking work. Yeah. But yeah. you're like, hey, great. Look, what, uh, what you sign up for? people who are not self-employed, people who are not entrepreneurs, um, those folks, they can't fathom what it means to um, put in 60 to 80 hours a week. They no, I just have to be the norm you don't even think about. Well, because you are the last line of defense. If you're not getting the work done, there's no one else to do it. It you can doesn't have, happen. You can have employees and you can give them work to do, but when it's your business, it's your baby, uh, you have to take care of it. And if that means a 40-hour week, if that means a 60-hour week, if that means whatever, you, ha- you have to do it. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting that I didn't know is that you did not found DJ Booth. So talk a little bit like about, I guess, how... My impression is that you kind of run things there. Yes. So, like, how did it go from being a site that already existed before you found it to right. you really taking over as kind of captain of the ship? When I first met Dave, like I said, it was it was very niche, DJ-only oriented. The site was not making any money. Dave had created it when he was in college okay. uh, as a hobby. When I pitched him on uh, adding interviews to the site, we reformatted it and we turned it into an online music magazine. So we created sections for interviews. We created sections for um, song reviews, um, uh, album reviews, um, tutorials. We, we expanded the platform from DJ only into something that someone who was a fan of Double XL or The Source or Vibe magazine would be interested in. It was very important, though, that the editorial direction that we took went away from what we saw everyone else doing, which was a focus on celebrity news, gossip, basically all of the vapid bullshit that we saw becoming more popular that led to the decline in in hip-hop journalism. Well, and just to paint a picture for anybody who wasn't there or doesn't remember this time, this was all during the rise of, like, Perez Hilton. Yes. And Paris Hilton. So, like, that was kind of like the zeitgeist at the moment. That was yes. what journalism was like, was a lot of, like, Perez Hilton, like, oh, my gosh, this person looks sloppy or this person went to rehab. 
Yeah, I mean, if you weren't creating content centered around who's dating who, who's having sex with who, um, who was caught with on camera or, with yeah. who, um, as it pertains to hip hop, it was more or less who's beefing with who. Um, it, it was about everything but the music. Right. And so we wanted the focus to be on the music. And so, you know, our mission statement was always that if you are looking for all of that type of content and there, you know, there's a reason why TMZ is TMZ. People love that stuff. So if that's what you're looking for, great. You're just not going to find it on our platform. Um, for the longest time, our focus was solely on the music in the sense that we were reviewing albums and songs only. And this is before the proliferation of DSPs. So before, uh, Spotify came to North America before there was an Apple Music or a Title or, right. or any of those services. Um, artists were really just throwing their music out online. And so we were trying to be a hub for artist discovery and be able to filter all this content that was, was constantly being made available and say, all right, well, there's, so all, there's all of this here. It's not localized in any one space. Here's what we think you should be listening to. Let's offer it for stream and write about it. And then as the DSP started to really take over, both from a editorial standpoint and a legal standpoint, it made sense for us to then completely transfer our efforts over to long form feature, opinion, debate style, while also doing short form and album review and some of the stuff that we had already been doing that was working. Well, and, and you've answered a lot of my questions already, which is... Damn it. Great. No, no, but there's, there's a lot for us here to work with. But these were all things that I was curious about was like, you know, the fact that it, to me, really feels like, you know, you look at like a site, like I have a lot of respect for like Fakeshore Drive, for example. Of course. Great site. Yeah. But it's like you look at Fakeshore and you guys and they're just very different things. It's a deep dish thin crust. There's not a right or a wrong. They're very focused. You know, Andrew's very focused on like Chicago-based hip hop first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And you guys are very much looking at like a national or international kind of like you're not just relegated to chicago um and also like you're really focused on the long form which is not every site does but it seems like those are things that really help you guys stand apart the fact that i feel like there's a very strong editorial voice at dj booth and that you guys focus on like kind of long form and more in-depth content i think not i'm not not knocking fake short but i think compared to a lot of the more tmz driven music sites out there that just really rely on these clickbait uh, headlines, you know. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, y- you had to take note that the industry was changing. You know, we were operating in a space where there was so much change in succession, unlike any other industry at the same time. So, I mean, you know, we're working in the publishing space, which has gone under dramatic and drastic changes over the last decade. And we're also working in the online advertising space, which was our predominant form of of revenue for the longest time. We're now, unfortunately, in a a time where 90% of all online ad revenue is being made up by Google and Facebook. And it's it's terrible. Just to to like detour for a second, I like DJ Booth because it's not like six videos popping up blocking me from watching everything. Well, it'd be terrible. Well, I mean... But that's every site now. Right. So what happened was... There's the money dried up, right? So everybody went to Facebook and Google. The rest of the internet's fighting for 10% of the scraps. And at the same time, everybody's behavior changed. So we don't, most of us do not read content on desktop anymore. We read content on mobile. The size of the screen on mobile, there's not a lot of real estate on there. So if you bastardize your mobile site, it makes for such a piss poor experience as a mobile user. All it takes is one unfortunate experience on your mobile site 
so that you either A, never come back, or B, every time you see that brand's name in a, in a feed, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you're not clicking because you associate that brand with that poor experience that you previously had. 100%. I won't name names, but there are definitely sites, 100% what you're saying, where like, I don't click them anymore because I start reading an article and it takes me to some like survey site or it just, yeah, and you know all what? those things. And let me tell you, there's a frustration on our part too because you know we work with a third-party ad network and we have absolutely zero control over what ads are served. When we see them, we can let the network know to remove them, but we won't know until they actually pop up. Sure. And like someone might hit me on a Wednesday afternoon on Twitter and say, hey, you know, I was trying to read this article and this ad popped up. And it's like, that kills me more than it kills you. And I reassure them, like, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out. But beyond that, um, you know, that's in no one's best interest. That's right. not in your best interest or, or our best interest. Or even the advertiser. No it's, one's it's best It's lose, interest. lose, lose. A- absolutely. But yeah, there, there's so much disruption over this industry over such a brief period of time. Instead of trying to stay ahead of the curve, what we really did was we just became the curve. We made changes before we actually needed to change them. For the longest time, our bread and butter was our track reviews. Right. And they were doing really well for us. They were making us a lot of money. And we made a conscious decision because we knew that the DSP's uh, rise was, was eminent. Uh, we abandoned them. And we shifted all of our focus over to long-form feature and editorial. Um, And at the time, we forewent income for the sake of trying to be where we wanted to be down the line. Well, and you're playing the long game. Uh, You have to. Yeah. um, Because too many of the people who are in our space didn't. And they just kept blogging about, you know, the song where they would write two sentences and throw up a link. And no one needs that content anymore. No one is going to a blogger website to listen to a song without some context or additional information. Well, and that's, that is one of the things that I was really interested to talk to you about. It's like something you see in here, and I'm, I have no doubt you've heard this, like blogs are dead. And obviously you're talking about like people don't read long form anymore, or at least not the way that they previously did. And you guys really specialize in long form. And yeah. you're, you know, I don't know if you call yourself a blog or, or what. I don't care. Yeah. Website blog. It's, a it, it's all the same kind of. But, but basically I just, my point is that I see DJ Booth thriving and I see organic, real engagement. I see people on – one of the reasons I was – we've been talking for a long time about trying to schedule this. And, again, I appreciate you coming in and Thank making you. the time. And I know that you've got a lot on your plate. But one of the reasons I was so like, – like, man, I really want to have him on is because I would see on Twitter every day people sharing a great article where you guys would write an editorial about Lil Wayne or about Nikki or about whoever or like underground hip-hop talent. But it was written from the perspective of somebody who actually really knew their shit, really cared, and really had an actual perspective. And like you're saying, it wasn't that three-sentence, like, you know, new track from Chance, here's the video. Right. You know, and so when I would see that real engagement every day on social media and how much people care about DJ Booth, I was like, dude, I want to talk to the people who are putting this kind of content together because you're flying in the face of everything else that's happening online where nobody else wants to create long-form content. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and I mean that sincerely. Like that was something that I really, really saw. And you can't fake that. You can't no. fake people actually engaging. And sometimes they were engaging because they were angry and they didn't agree. But like, but they gave a shit. Look, um, when you publish mostly opinion-based content, you know going in that there are one of two options. People will either agree with the position that you're taking. Or strongly disagree. Um, the worst case scenario is that someone reads the content and feels nothing. Right. We, we want you to feel something. So disagreement is perfectly acceptable. And debate is healthy. You know, there's this stigma on social media where 
if you disagree with whatever position someone takes, um, you know, you're, uh, you're a hater, you're a hater, or you took an L or if you love something, you're a dick rider. If you hate something, you're a hater. It's just, it, this, this ignorance, it is this, this like lose, lose. Ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kills me. What I told all my writers, we have two full-time staff writers and one full-time managing editor. What I told Yo and Donna, who are, who are my, my one and two, is there's two levels to people's interests, right? People are going to want to read about what you're writing about, but they also want to know about why you're writing about it. So that gives people the chance to both connect with the author of the piece and the subject of the piece. Now, in news writing, it is strictly frowned upon to put yourself into the story. You have to remain completely objective, never put I. Right. Um, so we don't really do news. Uh, we, we editorialize almost every piece of content, um, and that is by design. I specifically tell my writers to make sure that they put themselves into the story because people want to know what you think. Don't just say, this artist dropped a new song. Tell me why you care that they dropped a new song, how you connected with it, or if you didn't connect with it, why? Two things then happen. Number one, if you are a fan of that artist and you're reading this person's content on DJ Booth, you can either say, well, I also listened to the song and I agree what you heard in this artist, I heard that same thing. Or if the author of the piece was not able to connect, they didn't get it, they, they weren't infatuated with the direction, the production, the mix, like Earl's new album, for instance, whatever the case may be, then that gives the person who's reading, who heard it differently, because we all have different experiences sure. with music, it's subjective, uh, the opportunity to create dialogue. And that's the beautiful part about it. And that's why I think our content does connect, because it gives people the opportunity to engage and have an actual meaningful discussion. That doesn't always happen, because we know people act like ass hats on social media. Well, especially on Twitter, where everything is just like instantaneous. Well, that is a result of people not actually reading the content, right? So sure. that's no one the, listens to the song or reads the content, and they go, I can't believe this thing says this. And right. Like, well, it doesn't. Well, that, that's the result of you reading a headline or a thought and then jumping to a conclusion based on what you think, right? And so then when you counter that and say, well, hey, like that's not really what we're talking about here. You should read the article. Then their auto response is, well, oh, it's clickbait. And that's, <laughs> that, that is the least favorite word that I, I see on, on social media. Clickbait does not mean what people think it means. Clickbait means that, that you are intentionally deceiving someone and or misleading them for the express purpose of getting them to come over to your site for unsavory reasons, right? So like if you could provide all the information and you dis and you only disclose some of it because you want to get them to come over to the site and then once they get there, they're not actually getting what you promised them, that's clickbait. Yeah. Just because you disagree with the opinion in the headline, like for instance, Eminem, uh, his relapse album inspired a rapper. I saw uh, that today to, on the feed, right, yeah. Right, to, to start a rap career. So we went with a more humorous angle on the headline based on metacritic relapse is eminem's second worst album right eminem has come out himself in interviews and says that he hates that album no one's coming to relapse's defense right yeah. and so instead of just saying you know rapper at rapper that no almost no one cares about admits that eminem's relapse album inspired him to start uh, rap career, we flipped the story around and made it about Eminem's second worst album inspires rapper to start rap career. Sure. Because that's what people are going to want to read about. But that wasn't the whole story. The whole idea was, look, here's an artist 
who was inspired by what most people, including the creator of that content, to believe to be terrible. Right. That's the whole, like, one man's trash is another man's treasure, you know. Someone heard something in this piece of work that inspired them to become a rap artist professionally, get signed to a deal, and be somewhat successful in 2018. That's the story. Right. But because someone who's an Eminem fan saw the headline, they're like, oh, you're an Eminem hater. It's not even about that. No. Yeah, yeah, no, but but you're right. Like people don't want nuance. There's no nuance online anymore. There's no nuance. Of there's no room for that, and we've left that behind. Yeah. Uh, so on the subject of some of these articles that have had a response, positive, negative, yeah. otherwise, what have been some of the ones that have, you know, some of the features, some of the editorials you guys have published over the years that have really just garnered a real response, whether positive or negative, and and which ones were you maybe surprised by? We can backtrack. So like right now, we're running a series uh, called Year of Mac. And it is a year-long dedication to Mac Miller that is being endeavored by Donna Claire Chesman, who is one of my two uh, senior staff writers. She's a huge Mac Miller fan. She was hit very hard uh, by his passing. And she came to me and she pitched me the idea of a year-long series, one feature a week for an entire year, that is an assortment of personal essays editorials and interviews with those closest to him. I was hesitant at first as I told her because that is quite the undertaking. You know, there's so much that happens every week that we're responsible for covering and I never wanted to promise people a year-long series and then not be able to deliver on it. Right. Um, uh, Fortunately for us, um, Donna uh, and for our readers uh, convinced me uh, that not only she'd be able to knock it out of the park, but that she'd be able to get X number of pieces in the can done, ready to go before we even launched so that we were always playing from ahead. And Smart. that allowed us to feel more comfortable with the undertaking. And we're, uh, we're, we're five weeks into the series now. And I would say that on a day-to-day basis, Donna gets two to three e- personalized emails from Mac Miller fans. The thread that we started on Twitter has thousands of of retweets, likes, and responses. I have been overwhelmed by the number of people who have said, I've had the hardest time handling his his passing. And thanks to you guys, I've now been able to better handle it just on a personal level. I've been able to go back and listen to his music. These pieces have have given proper context to his life and his work. Um, So that's been wonderful. And then one other that I want to cite specifically is uh, mid last year, we ran a piece Uh, written by Dylan Green, who's one of our freelance writers. And it was on the culture in hip-hop right now that is accepting of, we'll call them unsavory figures. Mm -hmm. So some of these artists who have either been accused of or charged with crimes pertaining to uh, sexual misconduct, rape, or violence against women. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but their, their material is inundated with misogynistic lyrics. And... It saddens me on a number of levels. I'm married. I have a daughter. I employ a woman. And even if none of those things were true, even if I wasn't married, didn't have a daughter, or had only men staff members, I'm a human being. Sure, sure. And, and women or men are equal. And the idea that all these companies were comfortable with running content to generate revenue for these artists was sickening to me. And we ran a piece that Dylan wrote expertly that basically tackled the problem that we have and analyzed why is it we're so comfortable. And XXX and Tassion has passed away since this piece ran, 
Kodak Black was another one of the subjects in it. But since then, it's still getting traffic a year and a half later, which is sort of unprecedented mm-hmm. for content in the in the the disposable day. Sure, age. anything three hours later, you're like, what? Yeah, ten minutes later, right? Yeah. Um, so those are two examples. To me, when we publish something, if we're not getting a response on social media, if I'm not getting emails about it, we failed. Right. Period. Now you know with the site, I think being successful. I mean. Just judging from again, like my outside perspective, seeing the engagement and the yeah. the you know interaction on Twitter and on social media, like do you see DJ Booth sticking with this format, or you know, are you already in your head thinking like you know what, in three years DJ Booth is an app in your car, or DJ Booth is X because you know we both know that things change. Absolutely. So um, on the app note, we do have an app. It's called the Plug. Um, it's available on iOS and Android. It's very simple. If you're a huge DJ Booth fan, it's even less intrusive than, than the site may be. There are very few ads on there, and it's a, it's a very clean experience. As far as the future, you know, we've already sort of pivoted uh, toward becoming a media company in the sense that we're creating original content for third parties. So currently we do uh, work for title we have um, a video series with them called bless the booth which is a freestyle series that we record in new york Uh, we also create original editorial for title Uh, we do some of our own editorial that they syndicate and then we also do original editorial for them for you know album anniversaries 15 20 25 years Mm -hmm. Um, we just wrapped up production on a documentary for revolt that will be airing in january Uh, we've been doing two video series for all deaf music over the past few months and so, you know, all these uh, colleagues of ours in this space, they recognize that we have an important and original voice, and they respect the, the authors that we have uh, on our team, and so they want a piece of that. And they have reached out over the last few years and, and inquired, and these opportunities really have allowed us to have more creative freedom and flexibility, because like I said before... The income from traditional advertising revenue is not there. No, yeah. Uh, and so these deals have allowed us additional revenue to be able to continue doing what we're doing on the editorial side, fund that um, endeavor while also taking on more outside work. Man, 100%. It's like I do this podcast and people are always like, how do you monetize a podcast? And I'm like, it's really, really hard. Yeah. And the return is very minimal. And I do a podcast class. We have all sorts of you know partnerships. And yeah, we create content for right. other brands. And it's like... It's almost like you have to do all those things just so you can do the, for me, what we're doing right now, for you, yeah. publishing great long-form editorial. It's like you do all the other thing where like you're creating the video series for a soft drink or whoever so that you can do the thing that you're like, this is the pure version of what I love doing. Right. Yeah. And, and but, you know, to be, to be honest, we might down the line have to make a decision on that because, you know, you... you you can't keep on sinking money into something if it's not going to pay off down the line. And sure. so right now, our editorial voice is our identity. That is our brand. And so even though that is not our money maker at the moment, it's important for us to continue doing what we're doing for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it, it, We would have to have an unbelievable outside opportunity to work you know, basically as a white label creator for another company in order for us to not do what we're currently doing. Um, I feel fortunate that we have been able to stick it out as long as we have. I don't mean that in a negative way. So many of my colleagues in this space who either started their own website or blog or who were a staff writer at another company 
have either folded their website or blog or are out of a job. Yeah. Um, it is a brutal industry. And so that we've been able to continue to do what we do and be successful at it, I feel very fortunate. Well, and man, I think you you totally nailed it. It's like you're you're I kind I think breathing kind of rarefied air. It's like again, I look at somebody like Andrew with Fake Short, and it's like that site's ten years old. A lot of other sites aren't did not hit ten years old. They didn't hit five years old. You and know? look what look at all the things that Andrew ha- has had to do over the years. Sure. I mean, he worked with Red Bull on a concert series. I'm sure that helped pay the bills. He's currently managing an artist. Mm-hmm. So I mean, really, you have to be able to diversify your portfolio, so to speak. Um, you have to be able to do everything. You can't have this narrow mindset. Well, I'm just going to write articles. Yeah. If, if, that's, if I was just uploading podcast MP3s to iTunes, I mean, like, where's my check? I would be waiting by the door for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so yeah. So to me, you guys are, you've done something that I think is very difficult, which is maintain a long form voice that matters and connects in 2018, you know, and before, and I'm sure beyond. And, and that's like no small feat. So thank you. I think that's really remarkable. And, and you know, we got a couple more questions. I know I don't want to keep you too long. You got you got the kid at home. You got you got life. But like, <laughs> but I'm curious. Like, if somebody's watching this live stream, listening to this yeah. podcast, they're 15, they're 19, they're 22. They love hip hop. They love writing. They love you know blogging or vlogging or any of those things. Do you would you recommend that they start their own site at this point? Or if you were like 19 years old and you had this passion, would you skip blogging at this point and just go straight to Anything else? That's a great question. So, you know, obviously, when I first pivoted from radio into doing this full time, I think in the back of my mind, what I was really thinking was this will give me an opportunity to jump back into some other career that's not DJ Booth. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, though, it, it dawned on me I don't need to use this as a stepping stone for something else. Like, this is my something else. Back then, though, there weren't as many opportunities and tools for you to do all this stuff on your own that there no. are now. Right. And so for someone, like you said, either who's currently still in high school or who's at the tail end of high school and not sure what they want to do in college or someone who's in college who's just taking general studies and they don't have a, a major in mind, but they love to speak or write or they believe that they have a unique voice that they want to transmit to the people. There's so many tools, right? So create a Medium account and start writing every day. Medium is amazing. Medium is and incredible. It's so easy. You and, don't need to make a site. And you can monetize now as well by uh, joining their partner program. Look, you're not going to get rich off of it. I mean, DJ Booth has its own site. We also have a Medium account, and we uh, run select stories from DJ Booth on our Medium account for people who just happen to be on that app. Um, you know, create an audio Mac account, create a SoundCloud account. If you want to do podcasts, make them available on all these platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, create social networks and make sure that your branding is uh, unilateral across all, all of these platforms. Um, there's so many ways where you can develop a voice in 2018 and beyond without any funding, limited, limited to no resources. All you really need is drive, yeah. right? Um, and what it comes down to is most people don't have that. When I was starting off... I was single. I had no financial responsibilities for anybody. And so I could afford to put in 80 hours a week. Yeah. If you are either still in school or right out of school, or you don't have a significant other or a child and you're not on the hook for someone else, put in all of this time. Like, 
You're, get off you're the, probably never going to be that unencumbered ever again. Ever, yeah. ever. And 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 take it from me. I'm married. I have a child. I still somehow manage to put in like 50 to 60 hours a week, which is insane. I try to get seven hours of sleep a night because if I don't, I'm, I'm a terrible human being the next day <laughs> and my wife's mad at me. But look, you know, you can't be all things to all people when you're spending that much time working. When a normal work week is 40 hours and you're putting in 80. And so do it while you can and utilize that time wisely to build up your brand. Also, let me just say, I've never ever put myself first. I've always put DJ Booth first. I was always of the mindset that if DJ Booth wins, I win by default. Sure. And that's what I don't see a lot of people doing now. They they create social media personas. They put themselves at the forefront, in particular on Instagram. It's all about you know who you're with, who you're seen with, where you're going. Create a company, create a brand. Create. I mean, it, it takes little money to create an LLC or an INC. And put the brand first always. If that brand gets traction and blows up, you win by default. If you blow up, that's a fleeting moment because that, that, that dies. Well, and you're talking a lot about longevity, which is something that we, yeah. you don't hear that word ever. Nobody talks about longevity anymore on, on social media, on anything. Right. Nobody's thinking about like, how do I create a career that's going to last 10, 20, 30 years? I look at a, there's a guy named Martin Atkins in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Martin Atkins is an educator. He's an author. He's a musician. Uh, he's a documentary creator. He He's done everything. But Martin Atkins in the 60s and 70s, in the 70s, he was a punk rock musician in the UK. And, you know, a lot of people were. He was in a band with Johnny Rotten. He was in Public Image Limited. He was in Nine Inch Nails circa uh, Broken. He was in Killing Joke. I mean, he's done the stuff. Right. And that guy, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and he's a friend of the podcast, but he's had a multi-decade career. And it helps. I think a big part of that is that he's incredibly nice, he's incredibly giving, and he's incredibly ego-free. Mm-hmm. But it's like no one thinks about how do I create a career, and I feel bad because I think high school and college kids are being fed the Instagram line, and they're not thinking about the 5, 10, 20-year journey, but it's like no one thinks about longevity anymore. That's something that just baffles me, and it's important to think about. If you're going into a a career in communications, they're they're most likely going to take you down the path of a, a traditional media job. And there are very few traditional media jobs even available anymore. Yeah. The likelihood that you're going to get a job working in a newsroom, the likelihood that you're going to get a job that's not a graveyard shift at a radio station pressing buttons on a board, slim to none. So instead of going to school and letting them tell you how you can get a job working for someone else, figure out how you can work for yourself. And all the tools are available to you. If you choose not to utilize them, that's on you. Well, and final thing I think that's worth saying, but that is that almost all of them, at least they're starting to hear, they're free. Medium, SoundCloud, YouTube, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down yeah. the line. You know, GarageBand is free to use. There's a free version of Pro Tools. There's a billion apps on your phone to make movies. It's like, yeah. you know, when I started out, when you started out, I had to get a job in radio. I wanted to work in radio, and again, I'm lucky I had a good radio experience. But if radio had not hired me, if Chris Payne at Q101 had not hired me at 15 years old, I've just been like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I couldn't go home and be like, that's okay. I'll just open up my smartphone in 1998 and start recording my podcast. Like that was not an option. And now, yeah, not a thing. It's amazing. If you're 15 and you want to make a podcast, you download Anchor for free, and then two hours later, you're like, great, now I have a podcast. So I love this age we live in. And and here's what I would want to ask for you. And feel free to say no. But like everything you're saying, I teach an entrepreneurship class at Columbia. We do these panels and workshops around Chicago that are driven around 
entrepreneurship, building your brand, all the things we're talking about. I would love to like either have you come talk to my class or yeah. get you on a panel or something next year. Matt, I would love to. Everything you're saying here and everything you've built and everything you're demonstrating, to me, those are the core components of like building engagement, building a career that matters to people and building longevity. And like, like you know from experience, that's not hard and it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come quick. So I think there's a lot of people who would love to learn from you about how you made that happen. I would love to speak to uh, your classes. Um, I, I just did a lecture this past week at SAE Chicago. Sure, and they was, do cool stuff. That was wonderful. You know, the truth is that when I was coming up, I didn't have someone to go to to explain to me how to do all these things. Uh, Dave and I had to just figure it all out as we went. And I'm a firm believer that you should never hold on to knowledge. You should share it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and... You know, while my forte has always been specific to what we do at DJ Booth, over the last 15 years, I have taken every single meeting and phone call I can with people who operate in and around the space that we work in. And so whether that's managers or publicists or A&Rs or label executives or booking agents, I take all these calls for no real reason other than to pick their brain. I, I want to know the, the mechanisms of how their industries work as it relates to what we do, because the better understanding that I have of, of how they do their jobs, the better and more knowledgeable I'll be able to do my job. And so being able to give that information to others so that they can also succeed um, is something that I, I love doing. Love Man, I love that. I love that that spirit and that, you're right, that's 100% the real currency of things. It's yes. like once you get on, like I had people who gave me a break at 15 and I made sure that like, you know, through teaching, through bringing on producers, like all those things, it's like, you're right, it's, it doesn't mean anything if you just hold all that knowledge in. It's like it means right. something if you give it to people and you're able to share it. Yeah. DJ Booth is killer. It's a really great site. There's, you guys are doing, I think, very important and really honestly like very meaningful work that most people just either don't have the interest or don't have the capacity to pull off man so you should be very proud um brian Sizuk from dj booth man thank you so much for coming up man i know thank that i was so bugging much. you all year over email Good. and you were so kind to always like like you said you got back to me right away and you never were like fuck off dude i'm not doing your podcast <laughs> like i really appreciate that we were talking for the better part of months now and then we were able to make this happen and that you came up man that's My pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I rarely say no just because I, I love talking, first of all. Sure. Uh, but second, you know, I respect what you guys do. And if this gives you an opportunity to um, learn more about what we do and vice versa, you know, everybody benefits. So. Absolutely, man. I had a ton of people. We were originally going to do this last week and then the weather kind of pushed it back. But I had a ton of people on Twitter last week legitimately being like, I can't wait to hear this interview because well, they I, wanted to hear what you had to say. I, I hope the feedback after the interview is um, it was worth the wait. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll get this up this week. Um, Brian Zizuk from DJ Booth, man. Thank you so much. We'll get you back on next year on a panel or in the class or something. We'll, uh, we'll continue the number. conversation. Call me anytime. Absolutely, man. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty... Dynasty Descent.